Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. He's a Kiwi entrenched in the New Zealand camp. He's the warrior who never once failed to inspire. Warriors fans will miss you. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the Hundley Hurricane, Lance Hahaya, uh, New Zealand Warriors legend, played 185 first grade games there, was the only player to feature in their 2002 and 2011 grand final. Unfortunately, losing both in Jersey 14, 2011, the grand final there. It would obviously be his last game before he headed over to England, and it's probably a moment in Rugby League we'll never forget an incident with Ben Flower, with Lance, which Lance Hahaya will touch on in this podcast. Uh, for me, I'll always remember him as a great Kiwi, to be honest with you. Uh, he was obviously fantastic for the Warriors, covered a number of positions, uh, sort of started his career, you know, at the peak of the Warriors, 2002, 2003, around that mark, finished it in 2011 when they were back in the grand final. A lot of dark days uh, in between those two days, though, for the New Zealand Warriors. And Lance, he really was a shining light throughout that, playing a number of positions. Personally, I always thought fullback was his best position, but he probably didn't get enough uh, to play enough of it. Uh, when he was representing the Kiwis, though, he was unreal. Always had so much respect for him as an international player, and I think the cherry on the cake was uh, the 2008 Rugby World Cup final, and he was unbelievable in this game. Uh, you're you're about to hear a highlight in which he scores a try in this game, a critical try, and then he scores a penalty try later in this game, and it's one that's sort of remembered in rugby league history for Benji Marshall scoring off Billy Sater's brain explosion where he flicked the ball back in. But Lance, if you go and sit and watch this game, my God, he was unreal in this game. An incredibly underrated footballer who probably didn't achieve what he should have simply because he was so versatile. He's one of these um, utility guys that probably went against them in their career. But the way I look at it, it's the ultimate compliment. I mean, I'm just looking at his profile now. It says position. 5'8", fullback, hooker, halfback, centre. This guy, he could do it all. He was fantastic at all these positions. He always did a job. It's the ultimate compliment, but you have to feel for guys like Lance who don't really get to secure themselves in one position and play their career there. And it did annoy Lance, and he touches on that in this podcast. A sensational bloke. Really looking forward to bringing you this one. Let's kick it off. 
Lance, welcome on. How are we, mate? Great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, all going well, mate. Uh, pretty exciting time over there in America as far as uh, rugby league goes. Tell us uh, what's been doing. Um, you know, the North American Rugby League or the NARL, um, you know, competition is, is uh, just starting this summer in the US. And, you know, there are some West Coast teams that are brand new franchises that are looking to enter into a, um, a nationwide competition in, in year two. Um, so I'm going to be involved in coaching uh, one of the teams specifically, the Portland Loggers is the name of the team. And um, based in Vegas with all the other teams and uh, training and playing and assessing everyone for, for the uh, May, June, July, August uh, summer here in the US. Um, as we said earlier, pretty ballsy to send any rugby league players to Las Vegas just quietly. It's going to be, uh, you know, an interesting time and, you know, hopefully be a great experience for, for everyone involved. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, a place to to spend some time and uh, hopefully we can, you know, create create something special and uh, get this competition up and running. Mate, before we get into your career, how have you uh, how have you found your way over there? So my ex-wife is American, which is part of the reason why I moved here. Um, and I've got two young boys, eight and six, and uh, you know, they're in school here and we're pretty established and um, and living in here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So uh, yeah, Grand Rapids is home for me now and um, I'm enjoying my time in the US so far. Mate, uh, before we get into your career, uh, I've had about 10 or 15 messages sent to me to make sure that I show you the audio um, from this video that was made for you. I'm sure you have seen it before. I'll just play it for you now. Tell you what, mate, it's got pretty popular just quietly. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I obviously made the announcement to leave the Warriors back in 2011 for my departure for St. Helens. I, um, yeah, I was sent that by a close friend of mine or a family member. I said, you know, hey, have you seen this? And yeah, it's always nice to, you know, to receive things like that. You know, it's funny to me. Obviously, I'm just a regular farm boy, you know, from from a, a small town called Huntley. So to, to see that stuff is still, you know. Um, yeah, it makes, it makes you feel good. Tell me about Huntley, mate. Is there many, um, you know, first-grade footballers that, that have come out of there or other uh, uh, sports people? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Wainangi Korpu is obviously uh, another another Huntley boy. Hedda uh, Winningdangi, who played, you know, I think uh, one game for the Warriors, trained, trained with us for a while. Uh, Louis Anderson spent some time there, although I wouldn't really call him a, a Huntley product, but he did play for, for Tani Fado. Um I feel feel bad if I'm missing others, but I mean it's it's always had you know a lot of talent. You know I grew up playing against guys that you know were more than capable of of playing at a, at a professional level, and for whatever reason, um, you know those guys didn't end up you know making making it there. Um, but it, it is it's a hot spot for rugby league. Um, you know the, the competition and, and the passion that that is there for the sport is um, you know still well well and truly alive. That's for sure. Mate, uh, 2002, you make your debut for the New Zealand Warriors against the New Th- North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, score a try on debut and get to play alongside Stacey Jones. I imagine he must have been a, a bit of an idol of yours. Yeah, I mean, I obviously grew up. Um, funnily enough, I, I had an older brother. Uh, my older half-brother, uh, Tama, played played for the Waikato Cougars in the Line Red Cup, which is what it was called back in the day. And, you know, Stacey was playing in that competition, and I think he was a 17 or 18-year-old. And I remember watching... Stacy playing for the Auckland Vulcans. I think the team was called Auckland 
the Vulcans um, back back in those days. And um, you know, I've been a fan of his since that point. I was like, wow, this guy's amazing, great player. You know, smaller in stature like myself, but uh, you know, didn't play that way. So it, it was it was cool to you know, play alongside him for, for the years that I did. Mate, another guy I want to ask you about in this side, uh, Ali Lawatiti. For me, I think it's one of the biggest losses to rugby league and without a doubt to New Zealand rugby league when he left the New Zealand Warriors, went over England. What are your memories of Ali? Just a, you know, first and foremost, like just a great guy, you know, just, just a, such a bubbly character. I mean, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know Ali the way that I do. Um, you know, always smiling, always laughing, always joking. Um, and phenomenal rugby league player. I mean, we were, we were obviously very sad and um, devastated and upset, you know, when, when he left. Um, and you're right, he was a big loss, certainly to the to the club as a whole. Um, to New Zealand Rugby League, obviously didn't play a lot of international for that. Um, but yeah, great guy, you know, amazing, phenomenal athlete for, you know, the size and the, the things he could, he could do on the field. You know, I, I probably haven't seen many others able to do the same for someone, you know, with, with his size and frame. Mate, if he would have stayed in the NRL, I mean, what would have been the ceiling on his career for you? Um, I mean, I, I remember watching him play and there was just, you know, we talk about Sonny Bill Williams and how he changed the game, what he could do. I mean, I reckon Ali Lawatiti had a, a bigger skill set than, than Sonny Bill Williams and probably a bigger skill set than any forward we've seen since, in my opinion. I would agree with that. I mean, you know, I think potential was unlimited almost and what he could do on the field and, and had he stuck around and, and played in the NRL he, he probably would have been you know one of the greatest ever back rowers to play you know to play in the NRL and then I think he was you know trending in that direction for sure and you know all the talent that he had you know at his disposal was uh very some days so I mean it was it was a big loss um and, and it's a shame that he didn't you know we didn't get to see yeah uh, see all of that sort of come to come to fruition over the years Mate, the uh, 2002 season, you play the vast majority of the season at 5'8". Um, you know, wouldn't be the storyline for your entire career, but when you were a young kid coming through, was 5'8 the position that you wanted to play, or is that just where you landed? I guess it's just kind of where I landed. I always, you know, when I was playing through age grades, um, played six, just just felt like a natural position for me. Um, and I, was, I, I typically played with a halfback who was a really good organiser as well. Um, so that just to kind of allowed me to float in and around the field and, um, you know, almost be kind of like a second fullback type situation. And I, I enjoyed that role. And, you know, when I got to the Warriors, obviously that's kind of what I played the most. And um, obviously, you know, I, I moved in and around some different positions over the years there. And I was, you know, always wanting to do so. Mate, when you were about to make your debut, you know, if someone would have said to you, what position do you want to play this week? What would you have said? Probably, probably six, probably five, eight. I mean, obviously at the professional level, like that's where I felt most comfortable at that point. I mean, I'd played all my, my, my age grade footy and in that position. So then go out and maybe play a different position would have, would have been, uh, I guess, not a good choice. So I think six was a good transition for me into, into first grade. And um, obviously my skill set did, did fit other positions as well over time, which, which uh, we all saw. Ask you, mate, obviously in your first season, 2002, I mean, you play 20 games, you win 16 or something of them. Unbelievable, the New Zealand Warriors at that point. Do you think that it helped your career coming into more of a unstructured sort of football side? I mean, the brand of footy the Warriors was playing was, you know, like no one else at the time and like no one we've really seen since. Do you think that helped you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Daniel Anderson was a coach at the time and, and he essentially, um, you know, gave me my, my first grade debut and uh, sooner than I expected, for sure. 
um, but he, he loved the he loved he, he encouraged that he encouraged that style you know he, he knew a lot about you know the, the Polynesian style and the Maori boys in the team and um, you know he knew that we liked to play that way and he encouraged it and we flourished obviously that year and, and, and really well um, you're right I don't think that the team has probably um, played you know close to that style um, throughout the whole team you know, I don't think that, that has happened probably since you know 2003 2004 that era Mate, 2002, uh, obviously you make it to the grand final. The week before that, though, is one of the most uh, unbelievable scenes I've seen in rugby league. You play the Cronulla Sharks in the prelim final, and, mate, it felt like there was more Warriors fans in Sydney that day than Sharkies fans. That was unreal. I think I think uh, Eric Watson at the time was, was the owner of the club, and I think he gave away, you know, 20,000 tickets. If you had a New Zealand passport, um, he basically bought 20,000 tickets to the game. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was that game. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of Kiwis living in Sydney, so yeah, it did. It felt like we were at home. Uh, obviously, we were on a, a pretty good win streak, and confidence was running high. And um, I still remember that game and the feeling after the game, and knowing you know that we were going to the grand final that year was was a pretty special moment. Mate, well, was there anything in hindsight that you remember from the week leading up to the 2002 grand final? Obviously, a lot of a lot of guys in that side that hadn't played in a grand final before haven't had a, a huge amount of big game experience outside of New Zealand games was there was there anything that, that you look back on and think geez we could have handled that better d- during the week or anything like that I thought our preparation was pretty good um, you know I think it's been talked about a little bit at half time we sort of there wasn't really a lot said by the coaches um, and, and I think you know looking back maybe you know the coach at the time probably would have a little bit more direction on, on sort of where we could do better um, but leading up to the week, uh, you know, the grand final week in Sydney and Bondi, uh, the grand final breakfast, everything, all of our preparations, I, th- I thought were, were pretty good. I mean, I was still young at the time, so I was pretty happy to just 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 be there. Maybe some of the senior guys in the team would feel a little bit differently, but you know, I, I thought that we were pretty well prepared physically, mentally, um, and then obviously in the game, we just we just didn't quite have enough experience and, and big moments. You know, I think the Brad Fiddler tackle with Villasanti was a bit of a turning moment in the game. You know, they sort of fired up after that, and we just we just didn't have an answer for them. They they're obviously uh, to go to that next level, and we just couldn't we couldn't hang with them. Hey, could could you feel a momentum swing in that exact moment there? I think you could definitely. I mean, I think that you know, and, and that's you know, it could have done one of two things. It could have you know spurred us on, and or it could have you know done done what it did for them. So you know, when you look back, and hindsight's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, Villa, my, my mate Villa. Um, put a shot on Freddie and then obviously went in for a, I think it was the second hit after he dropped the ball and you know these things happen in the heat of the game and um, you know they obviously weren't too happy about that and you know Freddie was at you know in his prime back then and um, you know it helped his game too you know his, his competitive juices got flowing and um, like I said unfortunately we just didn't quite have enough experience in our team to, to really find that next level and, and uh, obviously they did so Mate, uh, you mentioned obviously at halftime, um, you know, I, I wasn't in there. I've heard a, a lot of stories about that halftime. I'm not sure where the truth actually lies with all those stories, but I think people forget with this grand final. I mean, you, you, you look at the score at the end, you think the Roosters really ran over you guys. But, I mean, 6-2 at halftime, you come out, Stacey Jones scores one of the greatest individual tries we've ever seen. I mean, you must have had a lot of confidence after Stacey scored that try. It was a massive moment. And I mean, um, it was you know one of it's an iconic moment, uh, especially in the history of our sport in, in rugby league in New Zealand. You know, Stacey Stacey is you know probably the greatest rugby league player to come out of our country. Definitely, definitely one of them. 
Um, and that's that's a moment that will, will live on forever. And, um, you know, it's a shame that we couldn't kick on from that because our confidence was high. You know, and I said there were a few moments within the game and me being a young guy, I sort of, it's still a little blurry as to, you know, when, when these things happen. But there were some, some moments in the game that I remember. Um, that was definitely one of them. And um, I, I remember the feeling after that. I remember how, the, how confident the guys felt. And, um, but obviously, you know, the Roosters are a great team. They'll coach well. They've been there before. They, they were able to handle the occasion probably a little better than we did. Just before we do move on from that game, mate, I, I often look at that Stacey Jones try in that moment and think, geez, if the Warriors would have gone on to win that grand final, like obviously in Brad Fittler's career, we look back at that's the premiership that Freddie owns. Geez, if the Warriors would have won that grand final and Stacey has that moment, it could have been a completely different narrative as far as the history of rugby league goes, especially the way that we look at Stacey. I mean, you take out that 2002 grand final, I'm not sure if Brad Fittler is as high on the immortality argument as what he is. Although, if you give it to Stacey Jones, geez, it changes the narrative completely, doesn't it? I agree. I mean, obviously, I, I think highly of, of, of Stacey. Um, you know, and I, I would have loved to have, you know, to, to have experienced that, you know, for, for him and for myself and for everyone else on the team. Um, but for what he's done for the game and, and for what, you know, the, the generations that he's expired, uh, inspired, including myself, you know, I, I think that you're, you're definitely right. That would have... Uh, it would have been hugely positive for, for himself and, and uh, the flow on effects from that throughout New Zealand rugby league would have, would have been, uh, would have been immense. So, um, but it wasn't to be, and I guess, you know, that was the story that, um, that, that we run with and um, hopefully uh, the Warriors and some other superstar will come along and they'll have their time in, in one day, I hope. Mate, 2002, you obviously make your debut, go all the way to the grand final, a huge season for you. You cap it off with your Kiwis debut, uh, a star-studded side coming up against a star-studded kangaroo side. I imagine would have been pretty daunting, but I would also imagine it would have made it a little bit easier. Stacey, Clinton Torpy, Ali, uh, Ali Motu, uh, a lot of guys from your club side that were in this team, that must have helped a little bit. I think we had 11 guys. Um, you know, I obviously went away on the Kiwi Tour and we had guys you know Stephen Kearney Ruben Wiki, you know Nathan Kalis um, Jason Kalis one essentially that was in the squad had been playing uh, finals footy um, including you know as I said 10, 12 you know Warriors boys uh, a couple of Sydney Roosters boys so it was a fun time you know it was a great it was a great time in my life you know I really appreciate those moments that I, that I had with those guys and uh, thoroughly enjoyed you know playing in the black and white jersey and memories uh, of I'll cherish for a long time. What are your memories from that very first game for the Kiwis, mate? Uh, I remember we lost, <laughs> and that wasn't a wasn't a good thing. But um, I do remember it was in Wellington. Uh, you know, all my family were in the crowd, and you know how proud I was. You know, singing the anthem and thinking about my grandparents and all my family, and just um, yeah, just enjoying that moment. And, and I remember, uh, you know, um, catching up with some of the Australian guys after the game. Big Gordon Tellus, you know, and I was in awe of him when I played. Uh, when I first played, uh, Darren Lockyer and Gordon Tellus actually bumped into them. Um, this is after the game, you know, had a few beers with them after the game, and you know those those memories. And they were very, you know, respectful and kind and nice to me. And um, you know, I, I cherish those moments too because that's what that's what rugby league's about. Like, get out there and you give it to each other, and then you go and have a beer and relax and talk some uh, talk some trash to each other. Mate, speaking of um, moments that you cherish in the Kiwis jersey, I imagine the 2008 World Cup, that must have been pretty special for you. It was, yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I would say that's probably the, the biggest one, uh, the biggest uh, memory that I hold, you know, dear to my heart. I mean, um, 
we were underdogs that we that 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 tournament obviously um you know wayne bennett was involved with us you know we had a great team we had a great bunch of guys um the belief grew throughout the tournament um you know and i still i still remember that moment you know at suncorp you know close to half close to full time you know i think it was uh you know benji's benji's try um you know near the end of the game where you know it was it was it wasn't in doubt anymore we were, we were going to win the game Yes, right up there, right up there. We've got goosebumps now thinking about it. Just, just uh, you know, very special moment. And, mate, I know we obviously, we all remember, you know, the Billy Slater brain explosion, the Benji Marshall try. I actually watched this game the other day when I knew I was going to have you on. And, mate, you had a pretty good game yourself. You scored the try to get the, the Kiwis in front. I think it was 18-16 in the Kangaroos. You score a brilliant try. You go past Aaron Lockyer. And then later in the game... Uh, you're chasing on the inside of a kick. I think it was Joel Monaghan takes you high. You, you you get a penalty try out of it. Uh, you played a pretty critical role in this game and this very special moment in New Zealand rugby league history. For sure. I mean, I obviously I think 2008 was probably my best year of, of footy. Um, and, and throughout the whole season, I was playing really well that year, sort of peaking my powers, 20, 26 at the time. Um, you know, pretty confident. You know, I was feeling fit and healthy. Uh, touch wood, I didn't have too many injuries that year, so I was able to string a lot of games together. You know, played every Kiwis game that I could. I think I only missed like maybe two games that season in NRL and then played every Kiwis game as well. So, so physically, I was feeling good. I was prepared. Um, and I was. I was ready for a big game. And you know, I felt that, yeah, I was, I was happy with my contribution to, to the match for sure. Uh, mate, just to put an uh, exclamation point on that game, I believe the game actually finishes with the ball in your hand. I, I imagine that must have been a, a pretty proud moment for yourself. Uh, you know, when that siren goes and to know the impact you had on that game, to finish with the ball, pretty special. It was. It just kind of happened that way. Obviously, you know, the, the the game was winding down, and um, you know, obviously, I, I knew how much time was left on the clock, and um, you know, the, obviously, the, the big boys around me were you know breathing in the big ones, and um, you know, I just happened to be you know close to the ball, and um, yeah, it's just a moment that I that I remember, you know, sort of having the ball, and I think it was actually my friend Anthony LaFranchi tackled me. I ended up playing with him at, at St Helens, and um, you know, just just. You know, just looking around after that, and I actually saw Nathan Fiend was one of the first guys that, that I looked at. Um, just, just the, the adulation and the that look that, that he had on his face, and I'm sure I had the same looking back at him. You know, and then jumping around with the teammates, and, and that moment was, yeah, it was very special. Mate, uh, after that 2002 grand final, obviously we mentioned Ali Lauatiti leaves. Eventually, over the next few years, Stacey Jones would leave. It's a real transition time for the New Zealand Warriors, a real uh, change of eras there. Uh, they do go through some pretty grim times. Was there a was there a lowest point over the, those few years for you at the Warriors? It was 2004. So we had, uh, for whatever reason, the coaches decided to, to kind of change the way that we were going to approach the season. And the approach was that we're going to be a big, you know, strong team and we're just going to like, you know, beat everyone up essentially physically. So we didn't do a lot of conditioning. Um, we we're all very big and strong, very lifting a lot of weights, you know, a lot of PBs in the gym. I remember coming into the season, and I had I had my all done, so I was pretty underdone that year. In 2000, end of 2003, I had my ACL reconstructed. So, you know, I was underdone, um, and we lost, I think, three or four games on the trot at the start of the season. And, you know, we were basically in trouble. After 20 minutes, like, we were just gone physically. And I was about 90 kgs, which for me is pretty heavy. You know, I'm, I'm sort of sitting around 81, 82 right now. And I like to be, you know, sort of 82 to 85. And I was 90 kgs, and that's heavy for me. So we're all five five kgs heavier than, heavier than what we probably should have been. 
you know, I think we ended up, you know, Daniel got the sack. Um, Tony Kemp came in, finished, I think, second to last. We just missed out on the wooden spoon, um, which, you know, would have been the season even worse. Um, but but that season in particular, there was a lot of sort of rumblings going on in the background and, you know, the, the, you know, the boardroom was having issues and it was just a lot of stuff going on that impacted all of us on the field. So 2004 was a pretty low point for, for the club in general. And then obviously we had a rebuild the following year. We brought in the Steve Price and Ruben Wickey and those guys and Michael Luck. And um, that, that was when we started to, to turn the corner again and, and head back in the right direction. But 2004 was, was probably the lowest lowest point for, for me personally as, you know, as part of that team and the club, the club itself. Mate, I, I imagine 2004, just having a look at it now, I mean, you played 5-8, you played halfback, you played a bit of centre, you came off the bench, you played a little bit of fullback. It must have been incredibly frustrating for you, I mean, when you are in a bit of a rut to not be able to find your feet and, and get used to a certain position. It must have been very difficult. It was. It's actually a bit of a funny year because we lost four in a row and then Daniel Anderson actually switched me to five, switched me to halfback and switched Stacey to, to 5-8. Um, and Stacey would tell you, he wasn't playing very well at the time. Um, and I was, I was doing okay. Um, it's not to say that I was playing better than he was, but he wasn't, he wasn't doing very well. I think the team wasn't playing well. We weren't firing. Daniel wanted to switch me to halfback and say, Hey, I want to give, you know, give Lance, as he called me, give Lance a shot at running the team and see if that'll make a change. And then coincidentally, he got sacked that week and then Tony Kemp switched us back. And I was actually really looking forward to that because you know, as I said, I was I was sort of coming into my own at that point. I was 21, 22. I thought I was playing pretty well. You know, I was fairly confident in, in what I could do. Um, and you're right, I just, you know, I got sort of moved around the field a lot. You know, Tony Kemp had his, like, guys that he wanted to play 5'8 or hooker. And um, it was a year of kind of, like, just just things being moved around, you know. And, and it was it was a rough year for, for everyone involved in the team. And then over the years, obviously, that, that was kind of when the, the utility stuff really started was 2004. It's... Um, blame Tony Kemp. That's who I blame. So um, he, he sort of moved me around a few spots, and, and that's you know I did okay, obviously, in each of those positions, and, and that um, you know sort of continued years beyond that. Mate, uh, you use the word blame there, which uh, has a bit of a negative um, connotation to it. Is is the utility role that you played? You know, do, does it upset you when you look back at it that you never? found you know your own position to play i mean you you played so well in so many positions but obviously i imagine you would have rather have locked down one position that you could have played your best footy at how do you look back on that yeah i think uh so i i mean obviously there were times when it was frustrating for sure you know when i um you know obviously not when i want to play you know hooker or fullback or five eight or halfback or whatever position it was i mean just it takes a lot to like train for those positions specifically there's some specialized skill sets within that so i didn't feel that i was really able to like i could play each one of those positions pretty well and if i had an opportunity to do that regularly then i could just continually work on those skills in that trade and, and improve year upon year um and, and i felt that because i was able to do those things well like it was great for the coach to be able to slot me in you know when guys were injured or so-and-so was injured um and but for me, yes, it was it was a little difficult at times. But then I sort of made peace with that, and um, you know, I, I got to the point where I was playing, and I and I verbalised these things to the coaches as well. Don't always they don't always care sometimes, and they say, well, this is kind of what we need you to do. This is what we want you to do. Um, but I verbalised like, hey, if I can play, like I don't mind playing hooker, I don't mind playing fullback, I don't mind playing five A. But if I could kind of stay in that position for a period of time, then that's what I would prefer. So 
Um, and I think 2008 was a year where I played fullback and I played there all year and I played great. 2009, I think I played just hooker and I played pretty pretty well. Um, so funnily enough, I yeah I enjoyed I enjoyed all the positions that I played. I uh, just didn't really like moving, you know, three positions within within a season. That was that was kind of tough to do sometimes. I guess, mate, it's uh, it's a lot easier uh, for me to say from where I'm standing. But um, I mean, when you do sort of land in these utility roles and you can cover so many positions, like it really is the ultimate compliment as a footballer that you can play so well in so many different positions, but career-wise, uh, obviously can be a complete and utter nightmare. Um, for me, I thought when you landed in the fullback role, to, to me, that's where you looked the most comfortable. How would you respond to that? I would say that's probably where I played um, hooker as well. Like, I probably didn't play 5'8". I, didn't, I don't think I played 5'8 as much as I would have liked to have played. I played more, you know, I grew up playing that position. That's kind of where I felt most comfortable initially. And then obviously played hooker and I played reasonably well there. Uh, but you're right. I think my best footy sort of came from, from me playing fullback and playing that regularly. But um, I do also think that I, you know, I was a pretty good hooker in my day too when I was able to play there regularly and behind a full Warriors forward pack that's going forward and quickly play the balls. And, um, you know, guys like Brent Webb playing around, playing around the fullback position and, and, and us working as a, as a, as a combo there was uh, was pretty lethal and all there too. Mate, tell me about Brent Webb, a guy you just mentioned. Uh, for me, one of the most underrated players we've seen. I quite often think that if he was at an Australian club or if he was playing for the Kangaroos or whatever, he was just the, he just used to torch the Kangaroos every time he came up against them. He was an incredible footballer. He was. We were great mates, Webby and I. He played, uh, I think he debuted maybe a week or two before I did. Um, so we sort of came through the same time, you know, as a few years older than me, maybe two or three years older than me. But uh, we experienced a lot of the same things, experienced the ride, you know, sort of in the early years there. And, yeah, I think in 2005, you know, before he sort of left to go to, to Leeds, um, he was one of the form players in the competition. And I loved playing with him. He was tough, you know, he was injured. And if he did, you never knew. Um, super fit, um, you know, could, could be all over the field. Really dangerous player with the ball. Uh, pretty small guy, but you know, put his put his body on the line defensively. He sort of knew what you were going to get from him each week, and um, you know, he was a lot of fun. You know, when we went out on the town too. So that was uh, we, we we were good mates, and I loved loved playing with Webby. He set me up for my first try on my debut, so I was uh, always thankful for that. Mate, the 2011 season kicks off, and I'm just having a look at your round one team, and good God, it's completely different to the side that we will see at the end of the season in the grand final. But uh, 2011. I think you lose four out of your first five games. I mean, it must have been unbelievable to look back to see where that um, season ended. It was an odd season. You know, I obviously ended up in the grand final. Uh, that was the year we beat, you know, Melbourne. We placed eighth in the final, in the top eight. We beat Melbourne in week one and sort of went through and made it all the way to the finals. So um, it was a strange year. I think Shawnee Johnson was, was sort of, uh, you know, just starting out there or thereabouts that year. Uh, you know, Lewis Brown was playing well and he sort of made his way into the team and ended up being, you know, one of the regulars on the team later in the season. James Maloney was playing really well, so he was firing at that point. You know, he'd sort of come through Melbourne's system and was a relatively unknown leading into that, you know, the, maybe the 2010 season. And, um, you know, he was on fire in 2010. He was on fire in 2011. You know, we had Michael Luck, a guy, Simon Manoing at his, you know, peak of his powers and big money on the wing and, um, it, was, it was a great team you know we had Brent Tate in the, in the side so it was, it was a fun year 2011 obviously like you said we started out a little rocky but, but we, we got there in the end managed to string some games together typically that half of the season we did, we did relatively well in the 2008 through 2011 
time frame. We, we didn't start very well. Our boys will come good. Just keep sticking to, you know, stick to the plan. Keep working hard. You know, keep working on your things that you need to work on. And then for whatever reason, the back half of the season, we would win sort of nine out of 11, nine out of 10, you know, eight out of 10 games leading into the finals, which, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't probably so good on the, on the, the coaches, um, blood pressure, but, um, yeah, we seem to just put it together at the right time of year. Mate, Sean Johnson, uh, you mentioned that he came on this season, makes his debut in round 13. You lose Sean's first three games. Um, and at this time, I mean, if a Sean Johnson comes along now, it's not as unorthodox back then. The way that Sean Johnson played was very unorthodox. We weren't used to it. We hadn't seen, you know, outside of Benji, we hadn't really seen that that touch footballer come into rugby league and dominate. It wasn't as normal. We'd seen a lot of guys come in and then just fade away quickly. Did you know that Sean was different when he first arrived? Yeah, I actually remember seeing Sean when he was a 16-year-old and I just actually just seen him kicking a footy and that was it. I just saw him kicking a footy and I was like, this kid this kid looks like he's, he's got something got something special. He just he just had that aura about him as well. He just had that, that look. It was just very natural, very smooth. And obviously then I saw him play and running around and, um, you know, that, that was that was when we sort of knew that he's, he's, got some, he's got some talent. You know, obviously over the years it's been... Um, He's moved around a little bit in terms of the props. You know, he's with Cronulla now. And, um, but when he was with us, I mean, you know, I enjoy playing with him. Like, I, I sort of have a little bit of that ad-lib style as well in, in my game. And that's just how you grow up playing, playing the game in, in New Zealand. Um, you know, the touch style was, is an attractive attacking style. So, you know, he did, he did really well in that aspect. And he could probably tell you himself, he had to do a lot of extras on the defensive side and made him do that or paired him up and you know, had bodyguards sign the manor and Michael Lucky inside of him to help him out there um, yeah, it was it was a fun year you know it was, it was, he was part of that ride the, the 2011 year I mean obviously he was, he was our starting halfback leading into that game um, so, so he, he fully deserved the, the accolade Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Mate, I imagine too his halves partner James Maloney. Um, obviously not the James Maloney we know now. This is before he'd gone to the Roosters, he'd gone to Cronulla and won competitions. But uh, he was extremely successful during this season to the point where I believe the Roosters they signed him like eighteen months in advance or something, didn't they? Yeah, and I mean we all knew that about Jimmy. I mean he was a fierce competitor, you know, super calm under pressure, you know, great guy to have around on the field. Um, you know, you knew what you get you were going to get from from him each game. So it was, it was a bit of a loss for us to, to lose, you know, to, to lose Jimmy. I know he wanted to head back home to Australia. He had opportunities to do so with, with some good teams, and it was a good decision for him. He ended up winning some some premierships, and um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we knew about you know we knew about his talent, and we knew that that, that he was a great you know champion level player, and um, you know had, had a couple of things gone differently in 2011. You know, who knows? We could have uh, seen him off with a ring, but it wasn't to be. Made that 2011 final series. Obviously, you play the Manly Seagulls in the grand final. I think it's something that. Uh, people forget about the New Zealand Warriors this final series. You have to go to Brisbane week one. You go to yep. Sydney week two. You go to Melbourne week three, then back to Sydney in week four. Did you guys go back to New Zealand at all during this time? Yeah, so we'd go back every week. Uh, wow. You know, that was a decision that we 
talked about. And I think, you know, being home with our families, and I mean, it's a bit of a risk. Like, what do we do? You know, I think, um, yeah. do, we, do we stay in Australia for four weeks? Um, I mean, I think maybe we did go back to back, like when we stayed, we played Brisbane, maybe we stayed a week and then played in Sydney to kind of minimize some travel. I, I think we did that. I can't recall. I mean, obviously it was 10 years ago now, and um, I, I don't recall quite what we did, but I, I'm pretty sure that we, we were traveling definitely for three of those weeks. We were going home. And, but we were going on like a Thursday. So we'd, we'd travel on a Thursday. We'd do, you know, sort of Friday, Friday train, uh, captain's run in Brisbane or Sydney or Melbourne, wherever we are, you know, play Saturday and then and come home Sunday. Yeah, right. And, mate, obviously that grand final, um, you know, you're wearing jersey number 14. I believe you wore 14 in both grand finals. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah, came off the bench in the first the first game. Mutu Tony started at... Um, at 5-8 in, in the first uh, the first grand final 2002 and then as I said at the 2011 I actually was playing with a cartilage torn meniscus in my knee and um, was struggling a little bit physically uh, I wasn't training at all really um, but I knew if I had the surgery I, I my season my, my career with the Warriors was done so he actually tore the cartilage uh, prior to the end of the season so I think it was round 26 I can't remember who he played and I had had a scan done um and then, yeah, there's, there was a there was a tear in, in my knee that, that had to get looked after once the season was done, and so um, I just kind of had to manage that as best I can. So physically, I probably was you know beat up a little bit, but also the guys that were on the team, the guys were starting to deserve to be there, sort of ahead of me anyway. So um, I was just stoked to be playing. You know, I think I'd come on and play hooker. Um, Aaron Hiramaya, I believe, started um, at nine, and then you know we were sort of doing the tandem one-two attack with with me coming on. So either I think into the second half or into the 10 minutes to go in the first half really depended on the game sort of where things were at um, but I was playing anywhere between sort of 40 and 60 minutes um, and, and, and I enjoyed it I mean defences were tired I was coming on and um, you know, I guess you know an experienced player to come on at the end of the game this is not a bad thing so, so I did what I had to do for the team Mate, I think in this team, it was only yourself and Inu that had played in a grand final. And uh, obviously yourself, you were the only player left from 2002. Of course, your fullback in 2002, he was the coach, Ivan Cleary. It's uh, it's funny how rugby league works sometimes. Ivan obviously been involved in, in my career as a player and um, then ended up you know being a, an assistant coach in the beginning when, when I was there, you know, sort of 2005 through whenever he took over as head coach, I think 2007 maybe. Um, so I got along well with Ivan. I mean, obviously we had we had some some differences over the years and about you know positions and the way I was playing and other things. But um, I mean, if I saw him today, I you know would, would shake hands and smile at each other and, and have a beer. And um, yeah, he, he did. He had a, you know big influence on, on my career. And um, you know, I enjoyed playing alongside him, and, and I and I enjoyed him as a coach. So he's, he's a good guy. Mate, uh, this grand final against Manly. Obviously, this side. You know, I mentioned that you guys didn't have a lot of grand final experience. This team. They had plenty. They'd obviously been in a couple of grand finals over the last few years. The Stewart brothers, Jamie Lyon, you know, they, they, they're fantastic forward pack they had. Um, they score a try just on half time. Uh, Glenn Stewart puts in a crazy kick from his own end. I, I believe it's Daly Cherry Evans that ends up scoring. Uh, mate, that one must have really stung coming into half time for you guys because you'd really had hung in that contest. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they were on fire that year. You know, we sort of weren't weren't playing anywhere near our, our best footy, I, I don't think. You know, even as I said, throughout the start of the year, we weren't playing well. And Manly was basically the benchmark that year. And obviously Melbourne was right up there as well. And um, yeah, this, this, both, both grand final occasions, obviously we played against teams that had, you know, when the team that I played in had 
less experience, finals experience, grand final experience uh, in both of those games. And, you know, eventually that, that just kind of showed in the game. You know, they had some some great competitors in the team and, you know, Watt Mowles and Jamie Lyon, as you said, and they had a great forward pack. And Bailey Cherry Evans was, was a young kid playing really well. And, you know, Brett Stewart was on fire that year scoring, you know, five tries a game, whatever ridiculous amount of the strike rate was. So I think they're a tough team, tough team to beat. On, on any given day and, and they just they just put it all together that day and we, we unfortunately didn't, didn't quite have enough you know we as I said we talked about the travel and everything and um, you know the games that we'd had to get to that point um, we, just, we just didn't have, have enough in the tank and not enough experience to get us through Mate tell me heading into the 2011 Grand Final did you feel more confident than when you were heading into the 2002 Grand Final like what what, what was different about the two feelings of those games? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, obviously, the first one I was full of nerves. You know, young kid. You know, I still remember the I still remember the moment walking out and seeing you know the sea of people in, in Sydney Football Stadium and thinking like, oh my word. So um, as a as a nineteen year old, and then you know as a twenty eight year old, the, the second time around, I, I was a lot you know a lot calmer and I was you know able to focus a lot more on the game and um, enjoyed a lot more. I would say you know I wasn't as nervous. You know, the week leading up to it, I was I was a lot more relaxed. Um, you know, I knew I was confident about what I needed to do. Um, I was confident in both games that we could get out there and win. Um, and just, I just remember definitely feeling a lot, a lot more at ease the second time around. I don't know if you're a betting man, mate, but if you had to put the 2002 Warriors up against the 2011 Warriors, who gets it done? It's a tough question. I mean, I, I would probably have to say 2002. Um, I think there was a little bit more strike power. You know, both teams were playing as well as they could. I, I, I would say that there's probably just a little bit more strike power in the, in the 2002 team. Mate, obviously that grand final in 2011, it would be your last game for the New Zealand Warriors. Uh, you make the move over to England and um, to some extent, I guess it's uh, the beginning of the end of your career. A very mixed bag over in England. Tell us about your experiences over there. Yeah, obviously, you know, I got to the last sort of... Uh, um, what was it, August, I think it was April, May at the Warriors and um, thinking about re-signing with the club. You know, they offered me a two-year contract to stay, um, you know, good money, relatively a little bit more than what I was earning at the time. Um, and, and I was, you know, not disgruntled about that or anything. I was, I was, I was okay about that. And then obviously my agent at the time, you know, brought me an offer and it was a four-year deal. Um, same money, that I was going to be earning at the Warriors, but it was for four years. So um, at the time, my fiance was pregnant and, you know, they obviously starting a family and, and those types of things. So it was a decision was made that, you know, the four years, four year contract was probably a little bit more security financially um, at that stage of my career. And, you know, it was a new opportunity. I'd been at the Warriors for, you know, 11 years, um, you know, 13 years of your account, you know, the, the time as a junior, probably a little bit longer than that. So, yeah, it was exciting for me to, to think about going to the UK and, um, you know, I, I did, I, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed a lot of the times that I had there You know, I made some great friends. I'm still, you know, keeping contact with, with the guys on the team and guys that are doing really well on the team now, the Tommy Makerson and Mark Percival and Johnny Lomax, guys that are young on the team when I was there and now, you know, playing for England and, and you know, winning multiple grand finals and doing really well. Um, Paul Wellens, who's on the coaching staff there, I actually talked to him the other day and, um, yeah, I still have some, some good memories about that. And, you know, obviously things didn't end well there with the, with the grand final and they had some, had some disagreements with, with the management um, involved in at St. Helens. But, you know, from my perspective, you know, that, that, that stuff's pretty much under the bridge and I like to shake hands with 
you know, whatsoever and, and uh, you know, call it good. So but I had a great time traveling around Europe. Obviously, both my boys were born there. Um, you know, we obviously had some great experiences on the field as well. You know, played with some great players. Um, you know, experience you know the singing and all the, the culture of, of the US. Uh, sorry, the UK, UK fans, um, which can be pretty pretty brutal and harsh at times. But um, it was it was fun. It was fun. It was a fun for me. You know, to, to, to experience that, and and I, I don't really have a lot of regrets. Obviously, you know, things didn't, didn't end the way that I planned. Um, but you know, I had a great career. Thankful for for for, for all of that and, and the ability to, to get over there and travel the world and do what I love to do for as long as I did is, is something that I, I, I think I'm, I was fortunate to do. Mate, you did mention the 2014 Grand Final, obviously uh, one of the biggest brain explosions we've ever seen from Ben Flower. Mate, I want to know what sort of an impact did that have on your health over the next few years? I mean, obviously, you know, just to, to state, you know, publicly, like I regret my my part that I played in that too. Obviously, I wish, wish that, you know, I think Ben and I have talked and, you know, we both wish that that, that, that didn't happen. Um, you know, but it did happen, and obviously, you know that that um, we both had to, to deal with the fallout of that. Um, I didn't get to play any part in the game, any further part in the game, and neither did he. Um, you know, we're both pretty disappointed about that. Um, but yeah, I think you know over the over the, the next sort of few years, you know, I was struggling a little bit, um, you know, both emotionally and, and physically. Um, you know, to have to give up something that I wasn't really ready to give up was was hard to do. Um, you know, and I felt that, you know, I, I probably wasn't given the time um, to fully get over all of that physically. Um, and that, that was where kind of things started to, to unravel a little bit. And, um, and it's a tough one because, you know, it's a, it's a tough sport. You know, there's, there's no real exact science around, you know, head injuries and, and all of this. But, you know, I, I felt that uh, I just kind of want a little bit more time to, to figure out what was going on. And you know, I got knocked out again in one of the first trial games that I played the following season 2015 um, and that's sort of when you know I started to have some issues and I uh, became concerned about my health and um, you know as we know that that, that sort of was where, where I had to make a decision to kind of walk away from it all Mate you must be glad to see the NRL starting to take this sort of stuff a lot more seriously I know over there in America where you're living obviously in the NFL it's been um, it's been front of mind for a long time and now uh, it's good to see the NRL is starting to catch up with it all now Definitely I mean I think you know um, even here where I coach you know at the university level and um, rugby union here you know it's it's a mandatory like two week stand down period before you're able to even go back to training um, and it is it's, it's, it's important you know you only get one brain shoulders, knees and ankles, they can all be fixed up but, um, you know, the impact that it can have, the long-lasting effects that it can have on, on players and athletes and their, you know, their, their mental health is um, something that should be taken seriously so I'm, I'm glad to see that, that things are starting to head in a, in a, in a much safer and, um, you know, medically a better, better direction now. Lance, I really appreciate your time, mate. I know you got to uh, get your two boys off to a swimming lesson. So I'll let you go, mate. Thank you for joining us and congratulations on everything you've achieved, mate. And a uh, really exciting time over there in America as far as rugby league goes and really excited to see the part that you're going to play in it. Yeah, no, I appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Uh, I'm excited too. So um, happy to chat and I appreciate your time. Legend. Thank you, mate. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 